Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the City of Smack podcast. I'm Chris Chavez, and this is my show where I chat with some of the biggest names on the track, on the roads, within the coaching ranks, and across the running industry. Our guests sit down and open up in-depth to share their experiences, their brilliant insights, and their vivid snapshots from their professional and personal accomplishments within the sport. The presenting sponsor of the City of Smack podcast is Olipop, healthy meets delicious. Are you looking for a better alternative to soda? By now, we've turned Olipop into the runner's soda. It is a deliciously fizzy drink that is good for your gut. Olipop is a low-sugar, low-calorie beverage that's packed with prebiotics, botanicals, and plant fibers that nourish your microbiome and supports your digestive health. Plus, it comes in a variety of tasty flavors like vintage cola, strawberry vanilla, and my personal favorite, lemon-lime. They actually just released a new banana cream flavor as well, if that's of interest to you. Whether you're a runner, a fitness enthusiast, or just someone who wants to make better choices for their body, Olipop is the perfect drink for you. By now, you've seen us sipping it on our shows, so we invite you to crack open and cheers an Olipop with us. Visit drinkolipop.com to learn more. Sidious Mac Podcast listeners get 25% off non-subscription orders by using code Sidious25 at checkout. You can pick them up at a store. They're available at Whole Foods, Sprouts, Kroger, Target, Walmart, Publix, and stay tuned because they may be coming to a restaurant near you. And if you're drinking one, tag us in your Instagram story. We love seeing that. Drinkolipop.com, code Sidious25. After eight years of running professionally, Eric Jenkins has retired. You'll hear more about it on this episode of the City of Smack podcast. The New Hampshire native finished his career with personal bests of 335 for 1500, 353 for the mile, 1305 for 5K, and 2722 for 10K. He broke out as a junior at Northeastern when he ran 746 to finish second in the 3000 meters at the NCAA Indoor Championships, which was the ninth fastest performance in NCAA history at the time, except for the fact that he was DQ'd controversially after the race. It started the Free Jenkins movement, which went viral on Twitter and really started a little bit of Eric's fame online. He went on to transfer to the University of Oregon, finished second at the 2014 NCAA Cross Country Championships, and then went on to win two individual indoor titles at 3,000 and 5,000 meters, poetically on the same track that he got DQ'd. Jenkins then went on, graduated, signed with Nike, spent time working under Alberto Salazar in the Nike Oregon Project. Yes, you'll hear about that in this interview. Pete Julian, the Union Athletics Club, and then Andy Powell in the last couple of years of his career. So while many people within the track and field community may think of Eric for his reputation as a really fun off-season guy or his hilarious Instagram videos, many don't realize just how intense of an athlete he was when he was in the thick of it. It really showed when he finished fourth at the 2016 U.S. Olympic Trials, qualified for the 2017 World Championships, managed to win the Millrose Games, Wanamaker Mile, and the Fifth Avenue Mile title just a couple months apart. So in this episode, we go through a lot of his career, the highs, the lows, and just what really made him stand out as an athlete. Listen to the full conversation for more stories, including him being a punk in high school, deciding to take the sport seriously and what he considers his best race ever. So without further ado, here is Eric Jenkins. All right, it's time. We need an update from 
Eric Jenkins. First time as a guest on the podcast, long overdue, but yeah. it's, I guess like you, you and I have kind of been connected in track since like summer 2015 was like your first summer going into like your pro career. I was out there. And uh, so we're going to, we're, we're definitely going to talk about that. Cause that was a pivotal summer for you, but that was fun, all in yeah. all, all in all, give us a give us a little life update. What, what's what's the latest in in Eric Jenkins' world? Well, I mean, I think the big news is I've kind of you know stepped away from track and field and and kind of um, you know I don't know retired so to say, um, but yeah, you know I'm uh, kind of done with the track and and kind of moving on exploring that that next step for me. So as we've done it with like other athletes, it's the it's the exit interview. You get to sit down with me. We'll unpack. You, you know, your that. career, some of the highs, some of the lows, I guess for starters, you know, saying that out loud and just closing the book on your professional career, like, how do we feel about just your career on the track in general? Oh man. I mean, geez, where do we like, we'll be here all night. We'll, <laughs> you know. I mean, it's overall, like I'm, it's still so, it's still so fresh, but, um, you know, I, I can walk away. Like, I really tried my, t- gave it everything. Um, and it just kind of felt like the right time. My body hasn't really held up to the training, you know, necessary to compete. And that's, you know, there's nothing really I can do about it. And so I, I honestly, I've had, I'm so thankful for the career I've had and it's led me to all the, you know, some of the best connections and relationships in my life. And I couldn't imagine, um, that I would have got this far when I started. So I really, I'm so like the competitor in me is like, there's, things that I believe I could have done that I didn't, but that's the, that's how it goes in the sport. Like you're never going to be truly satisfied. You're never going to like be a hundred, like Kipchoge could retire today and he's going to be like, I could have done something different. Um, so, but I'm, I am so thankful for my career and I'm more than anything, just very proud of it. And, uh, and that's, you know, that's kind of where I'm at right now. It's, it's tough, but you know, I've been kind of mulling, I've been, you know, it's not the spur of the moment decision. You know, this has been, you know, working for, for months and months. So um, there were uh, times where, you know, I wasn't sure about it, but uh, I feel good. I actually feel, feel really good. So yeah, that's kind of where I'm at right now. How did we get to this point? Cause I mean, in January, I think you did the beer mile podcast and there were talks and plans about running in the indoor season, jump, you know, focusing on the 5k, 10k, like I think later on in the summer. And then, you know, now we're in, you know, late May, what, what changed? You know, I just, I, I don't think I felt truly like a hundred percent for, for a little bit. Um, the, 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 amount of training and the intensity the volume that it takes to compete at this level it's just not something that I was able to to hold I just was my body wasn't really holding up um I never felt I probably haven't I just didn't feel 100% and when you're doing that like every day like to to try and get it up for training um when it's just when you just doesn't feel good it's just it's just, it's, it weighs on you it's, and it's exhausting. So that, you know, between like January and now it's, it's really, it's just been, my heart wasn't really, you know, like in it fully, didn't have the same like fire that I had, um, you know, years ago. And, and that's, you know, just how it is. So, yeah. When was the, when was the last like hard run that you went on? 
Oh, last hard run. Um, well, maybe now they're getting harder. <laughs> actually, no, I was going to say, yeah, uh, last week. Um, no, I, I probably haven't worked. I haven't like worked out in a while, in a long time. Um, and, uh, I mean, I, I love running, but I don't, I, there's probably going to be a while before I like do a workout. I can't, you know, quite, uh, wrap my head around that right now, but so, yeah. so like the diehard Eric Jenkins fans out there, which there are many are going to be left wondering. It's like, oh, how good could he have been at the half marathon or at the marathon down the road? Do you have those question marks in your head too? Uh, I mean, a little bit. Um, but I I just, I don't know. Um, I just didn't really feel, necessarily feel the desire. The, I mean, the half and the marathon are a whole other beast. Like it's, it'd be another thing to like try and gear up and, and, and do other, like to, to try and, and get myself a hundred percent for like a marathon. It would be, that's not something I would honestly, like, I don't like the sound of that. And to like, I don't want to do the train, like to quite frankly, I don't want to do the training required to do that. Um, and also it's just because, you know, I did run, you know, deep, you know, well in the five and the 10, it doesn't always translate to the marathon. It doesn't always necessarily like mean I'd be a great marathoner, but, and also just because I'm, you know, as you saw Kyle, you saw Kyle's marathon, maybe I'll do, um, I think I could probably smash that, but, <laughs> you know, maybe, so maybe, you know, I just don't right now it's, I don't want to do, I don't want to do a marathon build. I don't want to do that stuff. Um, so yeah, that's kind of, I mean, we're not going to. Yeah, no, no one's forcing you to do it or anything like that. All right. So if we go over your career, I guess when Kyle and I were talking about doing this interview, he just said it, it's a, he's got one of the most fascinating careers, even from, from, from start to finish. And so if we go way back to growing up in New Hampshire in high school, we can get the shout outs I guess, out of the way to begin with in terms of just like how you ended up on the right track, because you talk about your high school career in a couple like news articles that I like went back and researched and you graduated with a PR 415, you know, you credit the the Lifords for, for keeping you honest and you described yourself as a punk in, in high school. So what did that chapter of your career look like? Because it's sort of like that punk was just never went away, just kind of like tampered down a bit. Exactly. Yeah. I'm still a punk. Um, no, in yeah, my high school, I just, my high school career was definitely, you know, definitely a bit different. I never ran track, um, until senior year, um, it was just cross country. I was just having quite frankly, just a lot of fun in high school, just kind of being, um, a piece of shit, you know, um, just really fine, like riding the line, um, having to, way too much fun, like getting into trouble. I was just, you know, I was just pushing the envelope. I like had a good heart, um, but I was just getting into trouble. And uh, so, yeah, I, the Lifers bless their heart. They were my high school coaches, father, son um, duo. And they, they gave me a very long leash. Like I should have been off the team, you know, every, I shouldn't have been allowed on the team after freshman year, but they were just, I, 
well, number one, I was, I always like made it a point to just, just barely be the best on the team. So it's <laughs> like, oh, okay. Like we can't quite kick him off. Like he is the best guy on the team, but like, I was just getting, I was just having fun getting in trouble. Um, like me, I would do shit. Like, like I skipped, uh, me and my older brother, we, I, we skipped the home, a home meet. And in, instead of racing, we just vandalized the course and we had set up all these barricades and like pushed like logs and stuff in front of the, the, the course and didn't race it. And then, you know, just shit like that. Um, is that an admission or did, did someone eventually find out it was you? Oh no, we were standing there. Like, wait, <laughs> like we waited for the race to go off and we were like standing there, like waiting to see what the kids would do when they got to the, the obstacle course. <laughs> oh yeah. No, we, it wasn't like we were. And so the lifers, um, you know, gave, were just like, gave me such a long leash and by kind of by the, by, uh, by the senior year going into yeah my senior year of like cross country, I thought, Oh, like I should actually, I'll actually train this summer. And I ran three miles, three, I ran nine miles a week, three miles every Monday, Wednesday, Friday, but I would do it. And I would, I had my uh, nose taped with cotton balls and I was just breathing out of a snorkel. And so I was doing like homemade hypoxia training, um, you know, that I had seen one of my favorite MMA fighters do at the time. And so like, that's how I was like training. And uh, so I was just doing weird shit, just a great, you know? And uh, so my high school career, yeah, like it wasn't necessarily the same as, as other guys. I wasn't, you know, very good um kind of until yeah i mean the, you know it's the high school kids these days it's it's not hard to compare but yeah I, I i was kind of a late bloomer and i i matured very late and uh yeah it's been fun it was kind of a funny ride so you weren't the track nerd who's watching milrose games and thinking oh that's that's me and this is gonna get me a scholarship to college but you know, I guess at what point did you see an opportunity to, and, and I guess decide, all right, I'll do this in college. I mean, I really only th thought about it. Um, after, like once I started getting recruited, um, and even after, like I got recruited and I ha had basically declared for Northeastern after my senior year cross country. And I thought that they were just recruit. And I thought I was going to go to college just for cross country. And so I wasn't, I still wasn't planning on running track and this, I was planning on like smoking weed and partying and the lifers were like, Oh, Oh, but you, it, you, you <laughs> idiot. Oh, you no, you got to do track. Um, so like, that's, that's, yeah, I, I was, I was, I was not, that wasn't on my radar um, for, for a while. Yeah. Coach Rennie Waldron is the guy who, saw yeah. something provided an opportunity at Northeastern. What do you think you saw? Oh, me and Rennie have such, I, I love Rennie. Uh, I owe him so much. And he, we, we have such a, like we had such a funny relationship because he's like, a, like he came in and he like really held my feet to the fire and um, was like, 
you know, given really, really yelling at me day one, first day on campus. Um, and I need, I definitely needed that. And like our relationship was real rocky at first, but by the end of, of what, you know, my junior senior, my sophomore, I think year at Northeastern, we are close, but I think, you know, I th think he saw that, um, I just was a good, I think I had good race instincts. I think he saw that, um, I was tough. And I think he also knew that I had basically no, you know, I was fresh. I was, uh, I had done no training in high school, um, no mileage. I didn't, as soon as cross country was done, I wouldn't run a step until the next season. Um, so I was, just, I think he just saw that there was, um, potential and, um, yeah, he re like, we, he was always like, we had my, you know, I, cause I came in freshman year and was getting into not trouble, but just being, I mean, I recorded the Ricky Roxford video, like three days after getting on campus, like, you know, so I was, I had other plans, who knows what they were. I don't, but yes, like. He, he's, I can't say enough good things about Rennie. Um, and uh, yeah, it's, it's, I've had a, another interesting career in the sense that I've had, you know, I had a, like, I had a, three different coaches in college. Um, and uh, so it, it's, and Van, Ho I was very upset when, when Rennie was, you know, left Northeastern and, um, you know, it's funny how it brought me Van Hoy into the, into the picture, but um yeah, I mean, Rennie just, I think, saw that I had potential and I, I always like fought pretty hard in the races and and um, and he liked that, I think. So you were an early contributor to like the Northeastern team. And so it was a, a similar sense, like not you weren't the best guy, I guess, like right away, like you and being able to fly under the radar, being just like, you know, being the number two guy the entire time, like you did in high school. But was there any point where you also realized like, all right, yeah, there's a shred of talent here that I have and it, this can take me, you know, it can at least get me through the next four years. I mean, I realized, I th yeah, I realized, um, I realized after my sophomore year at Northeastern that, Oh, I can, I'm going to, you can be as good as you want to be if you try. And once I realized that, then, I mean, it was, it was a pretty like huge uh, jump, you know, from my, um, from I think my sophomore year at Northeastern to my third year at my second to third year at Northeastern was a huge, was kind of my big jump. Um, and that was just from me realizing like, you can actually do it if you work hard. Um, and that's, so yeah, that was that moment for me. But yeah, it took me until I was like three, three years deep in college. When you got upset that Rennie was leaving, like, did that's a moment where it's like, okay, now you realize like you care. And he was, you know, he was a big part of the reason that you kind of had that jumping off point. So I guess, why were you upset? And then how, how soon did it take for you to get over that? And you realize, okay, Ryan Van Hoy knows what he's doing. Well, it was kind of towards the end of my, my, uh, let's see when I'm trying to think when Rennie, Rennie left the Rennie left it in, like in November of my third year at Northeastern. Um, and so that spring 
Um, I redshirted and I, I was started. I was starting to get serious. I was starting. I think that was 2012, I believe, because yeah, I think that's 2012. And um, I was starting to have fun. I was starting to um, enjoy racing. I was. Uh, I liked winning. I liked the and so. Um, and Rennie saw that, and I think he's. Um, we kind of fed off each other's energy. So when when he left, I like. Um, I was, I was, I was, I was really upset. We had, um, developed a really good relationship. Um, and when I had actually asked for, um, uh, a, a, what's a transfer or like, uh, I, yeah, I, I had, I'd asked, um, the release or whatever a, it was. Yeah. A leave, a leave or whatever it's called. Yeah. Um, and the head coach at the time said, just, I've got, um, I've got a guy coming in, um, just meet with them, uh, see, you know, how you like them. Um, and we'll go from there. And like, I, you know, I was, you know, I was pretty upset and the, the, you know, the first meeting with Van Hoy, you know, Van Hoy's at this point in his career, I mean, I don't, shit, I don't know how old he was. I think he's like, super he's young. young. Yeah. Super young. And I basically said, you look super, I was like, how old are you? And I was like, <laughs> trying to, be, you know, I was being a dick. And I think he said he was like, I, I, I think he was, I want to say he was like 25. I mean, he really was, he might not have been that young, but he was really young. Um, I said something like, dude, you look like you're in my math class. And he was like, well, who gives it? He was like, so what? I was like, I don't know, but fuck you, dude. <laughs> I was, bit, I, you know, and I really, I realized like, I took some time and I, after talking with other teammates, Brian Doyle, shout out one of my teammates, Brian Doyle. He was like, look, I actually think this guy's legit. And I think you will all run really well if you just like give him a shot. And, you know, I'm, thank God I did. A quick break now to tell you about UCAN. Are you getting back into a training routine with some spring and summer races on the calendar? Then make sure you're fueling properly with UCAN. UCAN energy powders, gels, and bars utilize steady-release carbs instead of sugar so you won't experience the highs and lows in energy. I've used UCAN's Edge Energy Gel to fuel some of my recent long runs, but it's not just the everyday athletes who can trust UCAN. Top marathoners like Emily Sisson, Kira D'Amato, Sarah Hall, and Emma Bates all rely on UCAN to fuel their training and races. In fact, Emma just fueled her fifth place finish in Boston with just one edge gel every 5K and felt strong the entire race without experiencing any GI distress. UCAN's award-winning energy gels last longer than other gels and provide a more consistent feeling of energy. And with zero sugar, they're not too thick or sweet, and you don't have to chase them down with water. Right now, UCAN is offering the Sidious Mac community an exclusive chance to try six energy samples for free. All you have to do is pay the cost of shipping. Head on over to UCAN.co slash Sidious to claim this exclusive offer. And if you're already a fan of UCAN and want to try some of the other products, use code Sidious at UCAN.co to save 20% off the full variety of products. So say goodbye to the sugar crash and hello to consistent energy with UCAN. Visit UCAN.co slash Sidious to claim your free edge samples today. So 2013 is, I guess, the big point, I guess, for you, where that's where you transcend just like kind of the Northeastern Conference and it's you you start to make it at the national level it is also when the hashtag free jenkins takes off and free jenkins like to this day i think there's people that are upset by it so 
DQ'd at the NCAA indoor meet. You ran 746, but ninth fastest time in collegiate history at the time. And then it just gets wiped away with the DQ. You didn't need the title to really kind of validate that. But what did that performance tell you in that moment? That Yeah, I mean, that really was like my big, big race. Um, I'd been running well and I'd done other good races, but that was just probably this, the, I mean, it honestly, it made it even better that now looking back on it, it's better that I got DQ'd. Like, it's just, it's like that made it. Um, I, you know, it would have been better if I like won, but, <laughs> you know, getting DQ, like the free Jenkins movement was awesome. Um, and that race, it was, it didn't even, like, it didn't matter when, even when at the time when I got DQ'd, I didn't get, I didn't care one bit because it was, I didn't need it. It was just all the validation I needed right there. Like everyone saw the race. Everyone saw that I, what I did. And honestly, like I could have won that race if I ran it differently. I felt that good. And like, it would have been, I, I mean, actually, I can't really say that because, you know, prime Lowey Lang, untouchable really, but Mac would say otherwise, but (laughs) yeah, yeah, but I just felt it was such a good race for me and everyone, I didn't need it. Like I didn't need it in the results um, for it to have this exact same impact on me that it, that it needed to have. But yeah, that, that meet in general was kind of the, the big jumping off point for me. And and so does that change anything when, when you're at Northeastern where it's sort of like, okay, people don't usually see the Northeastern uniform at NCAAs, but then for you, like, is it, does the thought start to come to your head of like, oh, you know, your stock was pretty high and, and there was buzz about people wanting you to transfer to, you know, XYZ school. Did you feel that, that you, you felt like you were wanted in other places? And then, like, I guess, like, what kept you committed? Well, I, I don't know if I. um Well, me, me, well, it's like I had such a good thing going at Northeastern with Van Hoy that there was no, I never thought to, to look elsewhere. Um, you know, especially that, well, cause after, after that was the first, that indoor season was really the, that was the first seat. I'd only been working with Van Hoy for a few months at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, then you go on to in, run 13, 18 at Peyton Jordan. Yeah. So that, yeah. And that was like, I didn't need to transfer like after that season, you know, cause I ran 13, 18, that was, a, you know, probably my, biggest race in college after that, you know, second or biggest race at Northeastern, um, after the indoors. And so it was like, I knew that I was, I was like, Oh, I'm, I am one of the best. Um, and I, it was a point of pride for me to be at the small school to be at, um, Northeastern and like the, the running culture in Boston is insane. Um, it, there's, there is, there was like, you could, I felt like, like, the the northeast like the city of boston like you could feel that they were like rooting i love that and it was there is a certain energy in boston um with track and with running that um it's i mean i in my opinion it's one of the best running cities in the country for sure um so i i loved being from the small school um but you know van hoy was only there um through you know that season and that's when you know I thought that's that, but until then I, I, you know, I was fully committed to, to Northeastern and, and, and doing whatever. So you had the career in college, I guess, like up until this point that there's a lot of 
kids out there probably who are listening to this who are like, that's that's what I want. Like I'm at a smaller school now. I want to run really fast, open the doors, qualify for nationals, and then hopefully open the door to do a fifth year at, you know, one of these legendary powerhouse schools. And then you land at Oregon. So I guess like for you, I mean, did do you now now that we're kind of doing the exit interview, like do you feel that that it's sort of like, oh yeah, I mean, I'm sure there's a lot of people out there and like what's your message to those kids out there who are like in their dorm rooms right now? They'd be like, all right, yeah, I want to have the Jenkins career. Oh, I mean I mean it's I mean you can do it. It's my message to the kids like you want like, you can have that career if you want. I, I wasn't really the it, actually the way I kind of ended up at Oregon was it was it was interesting because the way I, it, I, it was kind of messy with me leaving Northeastern and I wasn't granted that um, I wasn't granted the the option to leave. They didn't want me talking to other schools. So I, I ended up having to, you know, take it to court and it wasn't. In t- and so by the time that I was actually able to start talking to other schools, it was. I think August, I think it, it was late. It was like end of August. It it was around mid-August, I want to say. Um, and I taught and I sent it, I sent an email out, I think, to maybe three schools. I think I emailed, I emailed Web, I emailed Colorado and I heard back from Wetmore. And I and you know, Wetmore said, Hey, we'd love to have you, but we got great guys who deserve scholarship that don't have it right now. So you we just couldn't have, you know. And then I think I talked to NAU. I uh, I want to say emailed the NAU, and then that was Heinz uh, at the time, right? Yeah, I I I honestly like don't even I don't know if I hundred percent emailed the NAU, but I think I did. And then I and then talked to Andy, and I mean, I, as soon as I talked to Andy on the phone, and I was on, uh, you know, it was a wrap. You know, he he put like the full, he was basically like on the first call, he's like, yeah, I've got you a flight out to Oregon next week. And, you know, we're going to go to Bend for preseason camp and, you know, you should be there. And that, that was that. That's different from the Jenkins that showed up at Northeastern on day one. So like, did you know, I guess just the intensity of what you were getting into at that point, it was like Ed Chaz was on the team and like, you were going to be thrown right into the fire. Oh, I would, well, at that point I was, I mean, I was fully on board. I mean, th- that was, that's a, the, the Eric that's let, started Northeastern was, you know, completely different than, than this one. Um, I was, you know, ready to, I was hungry, you know, I was already doing the, you know, whatever it took, um, before, you know, years, you know, before I got to Oregon. And so I knew that I knew when I was leaving, I had a, a talk with Van Hoy. And he was like, look, you, you're good enough to go pro. And I really think if that's the avenue you want to go down, going to Oregon is going to be the best place to set you up for that. And, and he's like, and actually another thing um, that I was dealing with at the time was really bad planner problems. And I was, and I was um, really bad, you know, both I would, you know, couldn't really walk at the time. I was all banged up. Um, got to Oregon all banged up but he had said but Van Hoy was like look at what he's at look at what Powell's done with Mac Mac Fleet coming back from planner stuff and I was like you're right um and so that like that was another thing that actually like I thought about but yeah I was going to Oregon and I was all in I, I was uh you know 100 committed at that point 
paint a picture for us in terms of just like what those practices look like, because I guess it's closed off. Like, no, we've never seen like the workout Wednesday of like the Oregon ducks, but what would have 20, you know, 14 Oregon's practices look like in terms of just like the intensity and, and, you know, you and Cheserick and Johnny, I guess, like all working together. Oh man, it's, 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 it was amazing. You know, it's, you don't really realize you're in the golden years, golden years until they're behind you. But, uh, we were all, there's, Andy does such a good job at regulating practice where, yeah, so because those egos can get in the way and all of a sudden it just turns into race after race and, and practice. Well, I mean, and- look, it's like if, if Ed, Ed could do whatever he wants in a workout. And so if he wants to ruin the work, like, you know, he could easily ruin it for everyone, but there was, there was none of that. Like, and he's so, you know, and he's so good at just that. Like, here's what it is. Like, we're not going harder than that. Like there's going to be days where I'll let you go harder than that. And today's not one of those days. And we all just worked. So we all worked so well together. We were, um, we just like the practices were super intense um but they were so i mean but they weren't i mean the on paper they're very intense but the there was they were so fun i mean everybody was joking around i'm talking so much shit i'm talking so much just nonsense having uh saying absurd stuff um and pal's just and rolling with it and he like he's created just an unbelievable atmosphere that um everybody was was thriving off of and kind of working towards the same goal and, and it was um it was amazing yeah so in the lead up to your two NCAA titles 3k 5k i mean there's two titles that at Chesa, he's got 17 you've got two two of them he could have had two more uh i guess going into those races like how did you get to that point where it was like all right like you, you, you knew that you can do it and everyone on paper and everyone around would be, was ready to give Ed two more. Oh yeah. I mean, I had, I had had so much good momentum building since cross, you know, when I came in second to Ed at cross country, um, it was, I was like, Oh, okay. Like there was just, I was healthy and like I had so much momentum going, like there wasn't a workout that Andy could put in front of me that I wasn't going to smash. Like I was hitting everything so easily. I was right. All my races um, up in that indoor season was just going so well. And I knew that I, I knew that just, and based off how, uh, and this is what Andy's Andy's superhero, the superpower. Like you've seen him do so well. Is he just inspires and instills so much confidence in these guys and the people that he's coaching? Um, it was a done deal that I was going to win. You know, like the way that he talked about it. Um, it was just that first five k. The five k was the first night, and he's like, "Look, that's your that's yours to lose. All you need to do is go out there and run a hard last k." Just go out there, no matter what, whatever happens at five laps to go, hit the front and start winding it up and you'll figure it out. You'll be fine. And that's exactly what I did. And then in the 3K, he's like, all right, like you've got, you already got the title. You've got the monkey off your back. Like now go have fun, go race. Go, you know, I think we needed something. I don't know how much, I don't think we needed X amount of like, not that many points to, 
kind of sink to seal the deal for the team title because we knew Will was fresh and looking good. And Ed, obviously. So, I mean, I, I, that weekend I was just having so much fun and like I couldn't lose. I was, uh, but as soon as I won the, uh, as soon as I won the five, I basically, I knew that I was going to be so hard to beat in the three, especially just based off Ed's schedule. Cause he was tripling. And so I knew that, Oh, like he's got a huge, he's got, I think the mile final with Serrato's, you know, a few hours mm -hmm. before the 3k, like he's, I'm going to be able to, he's going to be tired. He's going to, it's going to be really, that's going to be a tough double for that day. And you know, when, once we, it's once we, I hit the front with again, like five laps to go. Um, I didn't wind it up as much. I kind of went, cause I knew that Ed, I wasn't going to be able to just wind it up enough to beat Ed. So I knew that I needed to be fresh enough to also kick really hard again. And I, yeah, I knew once, once we started moving with like 200 to go that I felt good enough that I'll be able to kick again. I don't want to jump around too much, but like that weekend, like, you were hot like that. Did you ever feel that again? Like, I guess at some other point in your career where you're like, Oh, I am unstoppable right now. Yeah. 2017 going into USA's I knew like, Oh, uh, like I had been running. So I'd been doing so well in all the, the, the 1500s that I'd been racing that season. And I just felt so good in workouts that I was like, I knew going into USA's 2017 that like I was, I was going to make that team. I, I, I felt great. And, but that was, yeah. So it's, it's, and that's the thing. It's so hard to get that type of momentum, especially at like the high level to be able to just have a, like a season where you're just knocking out of the park. It's just so rare. So, you know, yeah, I, I only came by that a few, you know, and I think I had that feeling, um, before at Northeast, they're not, as, at, on, but it's a lot different when it's at that a higher, at the next level. Yeah. So I guess in the, inside the mind of a professional runner at that point, it's just like, there, yeah. there's a little selfishness that like goes into it too, where you just kind of think that this is going to go on forever and ever. And yeah. I guess what, what does that wake up point feel like where you're like, ah, all right, I got beat this time. You know, uh, I mean that whole year, like, um, let me, I'm trying to think like, so, I mean, I didn't have, I still had, a. I considered my outdoor season, you know, even though I, I came second to Ed in the five and the 10, mm -hmm. that was still like, I was like, oh, that was still, it was like, even though I wasn't, didn't win those races, I was like, oh, I still felt that momentum. And I kind of carried that into that 2015 summer. Um, but I think I've always done a really good job at hand, like handling tough moments and, and these big people look at some of the setbacks I have like the, coming in fourth in 2016 and they think, Oh, you know, how did, how'd you deal with that? And I go, I mean, I really like it. I didn't, it, I didn't deal with, it was, it's all right. Like it's not these big moments that you let them be. If you, you know, I think I did a, just a good job at letting races roll off my back and not making them be a bigger thing than they really were. 
As an avid runner, I've been using the Forerunner series from Garmin for years, and they're back as a sponsor of the Sidious Mag podcast, introducing the Garmin 965, the ultimate GPS running and triathlon smartwatch with a bright UML touchscreen display and a lightweight titanium bezel. This premium watch is designed for athletes who demand the very best. Wake up to your morning report with HRV status and get insights into your health, including an overview of sleep, recovery, and training outlook. The training readiness feature lets you know when you're primed for a productive session, while daily suggested workouts adapt to your performance and recovery. The Race Widget provides training tips, course details, and completion time predictions to help you prepare for that next big event. With multi-band GPS and full-color built-in maps, you can confidently navigate any route, and with traditional buttons and a touchscreen display, it's easy to tap into your training status and know whether you're training productively, peaking, or strained. The Forerunner 965 offers up to 23 days of battery life in smartwatch mode, so you can stay focused on your training without worrying about running out of power. And if you're pushing to outshine the competition, this watch is there to light up every run. Other exciting features for the Forerunner 965 include wrist-based running dynamics, safety and tracking features, and Garmin Pay. With 32 gigabytes of internal memory, you can also download hours of music and podcasts to your wristwatch, including playlists from Spotify and episodes of the Sidious Mag podcast. So get ready to train brilliantly with the Forerunner 965 from Garmin. Order yours today and start logging those miles with Garmin. Who was updating your Wikipedia page the all these years? Because like they did a good job of like recapping every single. I don't know if you've gone on it, but like it's like know. oh, it lists out like every basically every race that you won from like two thousand you know really? sixteen to two thousand seventeen. In like uh, they give like the full result and like where it happened and all, and then like they just stop at two thousand seventeen. And so I don't know who it was, but they just like were like, all right, you know what the story ends here like it's it's, like, it's good the happy ending <laughs> yeah like they're like they're like don't worry you don't need to worry about the rest of it <laughs> uh <laughs> i wish we could freeze time and stay in the summer of 2015 we were both in in europe that was the first summer that i guess like you're coming off of the nca season and now it's time to turn and look at professional options and you know a lot of people probably wanted a, a piece of you and you signed with Nike. We were at, in Leuven, and I remember there was a bunch of other runners there. It was like Ford Palmer and Riley Masters and Andy Bayer. Actually, just like at Penn Relays, was like, "We going to Leuven again this summer?" And I was like, "I don't know, man. Like, it doesn't. It doesn't feel like people have been going to Leuven much the last couple of years, but we should bring it back." Um, but you know, with you in particular, it was like I, I, I kind of remember like conversations that maybe you weren't present for about people just raving about the talent that you have and how impressive it was. Maybe it was because between races, there would be some drinking and and you'd still find a way to turn it around and run really fast. And you signed with Nike, you're headed to the Oregon Project. And at the time, I feel like there was just like a little bit of a buzz among the other runners where it's like, oh, like he's serious. Like that at the time, the Oregon Project was, you know, the best team in the country and the results speak for you know themselves and you were going to be part of that and so mix that with your talent we were going to see next level eric jenkins but the other part was sort of like people were thinking it's like well i hope the fun eric doesn't go away and then he doesn't become you know this robot tied to his training and i guess like you managed to keep that whole side of you alive you know for throughout the whole entire experience i guess like how important was that i guess you were going into the 
premier distance running group. And then all, but you know, it was going to be intense and another level up from what you had at Oregon. And you still found a way to, to be yourself throughout the whole thing. Yeah. You know, I mean, I, I think I've always, you know, it's one of these things I'm going to kind of do that regard, you know, no matter what the situation I'm in, but also I was, um, you know, I, I was a huge Centro fan and I was, uh, I remember in 2015, especially because I, you know, that was, you know, I was, it was at 2015 USA's and I had signed, but I wasn't sure where I was going to go in with Nike. It was, you know, either ba- like it was, you know, Bowerman or, or, or the Oregon project. And I just, the, you know, the way that Centro smashed the 2015 final um, at USA's and kind of, I was, you know, I was there, you know, with them and, you know, in the team room before and so confident. And there was something where I was like, you know, I want to be around that. Um, I want to, uh, you know, I think I can, I can get to, to the next level. I just wanted to be around, um, you know, th- athletes like him, um, Galen, Mo. I wanted to, um, to, you know, to train with those guys. And, uh, but I, I, I was never worried um, about, I knew I was going to be having fun in some way. And there were definitely periods of the Oregon project definitely where it wasn't fun long periods where it's just where you know the training was brutal and I was just wiped out and felt um you know a bit exhausted things like that but I was still like on a day-to-day level like able to have fun and 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 things like that um so you know that's kind of that I never was really worried and even at Oregon you know, I was always having fun. I was all like at the workouts. I like when you're around, like when I'm around guys that I, I like being around, I'm going to be, I'm probably going to be obnoxious, right? I'm going to be hard to, to shut up. I'm going to be having a lot of fun, um, getting worked up, wrestling the guys. Like that's what, who I am. So I honestly, like, um, if I'm comfortable in the situation, like that's, that's usually how I'm going to be. So it is impossible to bring up like the Oregon Project chapter without, you know, separating Alberto from being part of it. Alberto, who has been banned and, and yeah. you know, I guess you, you've done a somewhat good job of separating yourself from everyone associates Galen and, and Alberto having been so close. But now how do you like think about that chapter today from, from your career? Like, did you get any sort of reaction from fans or like anyone as the 2019, like when, you know, these reports were coming out and then the the suspension happens in 2019, like it had to have been weird for you being, having been so close to it. Oh yeah. No, it, it was, it was definitely weird. I mean, I have to, to, I mean, I knew, so when I joined the, the kind of the, the, this was the summer of 2015. So I think everything had just dropped at this point, I believe. That's right. Yeah. It was like June Brand came new, out like yeah. the first story. Yeah. I think it came out right like at USA's if I like. Um, and so I had, I had just, I had been, I've always been confident in like who I am in my like moral compass. Like I don't think, I mean, looking back now, I'm it's very glad that I wasn't offered anything or like tempted in any way, because even though I believe, oh, I would have never dealt you never know until it's 
given the choice to you. So I'm very glad I wasn't. But going in in 2015, I was like, I don't know about these allegations. I want to, I believe that, you know, like I believe Central is clean. I want to train with him. I want to get to that next level. I want to see what it's like training with Mo and training with Galen. I want to, um, and I'd gotten to the point where I could put myself in, make that a reality for me. So I was like, if, if I hate it, I, th- there's nothing, I didn't sign with the Oregon project. So I was like, I could leave if I wanted to. Um, and I took comfort in knowing that, like I, I had just read, um, you know, read uh, Kara Goucher's book that she just came out and she had, you know, contracts that are tied to Alberto. I never had that. And so I didn't feel, I never didn't, I was confident in myself, confident that, that I could do the right thing. Um, when 20, in 2019, when, when, when it broke, it was, it was crazy for, I mean, for it, first of all, I wasn't, uh, I was back home in New Hampshire and they were all the rest of the teams in Doha competing. So I felt, you know, it, I mean, I just wasn't taking the same heat that, that, you know, for example, Craig, Craig yeah. I mean, bless his heart. I, I, like that. I mean, I, that interview, it's like, you want to see a guy who's clean, like, look at how Craig answers questions, nothing to hide. He's genuinely goes up. He knows these questions are coming and he hasn't prepared anything freestyling it all he didn't give i was like i love it he didn't give one second of thought to the questions that were coming out and like so when when all that broke i mean it's all it was it was i didn't feel like i was taking a lot of heat of course you're going to get comments that are like anybody who's associated with alberto is dirty and i understand that um I mean, I don't think, I didn't think about that much then. I certainly don't think about that really at all now, but it was, it was tough for me because also, you know, you were hearing a lot of athletes say, oh, I'm not, I'm not coached by Alberto. So I don't have much of a relationship with them and I don't really see, and everyone's like, that's, you know, they didn't like that answer. And I can see why you wouldn't like that answer, but that is, you know, the, the truth in the matter, you know, there was a certain, you know, Alberto wanted to, you know, Alberto wanted to coach the good, the best people. Like if you look at the Oregon project, Alberto wanted to coach Mo Farah and Galen and Centro and Safan Hassan and Yomif Kajelja. And if he stuck around, he probably would have wanted to, he, I bet he's like, I want to get my hands on Donovan. I need him. Um, but I didn't have, you know, I didn't have, in 2016, in the, the first year of the Oregon Project, I had more of a relationship with Alberto. Um, I still wasn't close with him because, you know, he, um, you know, he just gave his attention to other other people. Um, and I didn't really know the behind the work at that time. At that point, I'd still thought that, like, he was my, he was coaching me and all this stuff. But it turns out that, um, you know, he was pat- I wasn't actually being coached by him. He was pat- passed me off. So that was a bit of a, you know, after that season, there was the big shift where it's here, Pete's athletes here, the athletes I'm coaching. Um, and then you would see him and, you know, we would interact with them and it's tough. It was, it's still tough for me in the sense that I believe everything, like Kara, I believe all of the stuff I've, I, you know, I, everything she said and that I believe it hundred percent. I was, a, you know, I, the, I was there for a lot for things that, 
you know, like the weigh-ins and things like that. I, they didn't have that profound, the effect that it had on her, you know, for multiple, uh, you know, too many reasons to, to list obviously. But so it's, it's, it's tough for me to, it's like, I have, there's just, there's so much going on with the Alberto situation where it's like, me, it's just so sad for, I feel so bad for Kara and, you know, Mary to be in that position. Like that's, it's, uh, it's, it's sad. And it's sad that they felt that no one was there for them. And it's, um, it's sad. Like, you know, the, it's messed up of what happened with Darren treasure and, and um, you know, I'm not going to say any good things about him either. I'm not a fan. Um, but you, the, in 2019, like when, when all that dropped, like it was so, it so much happened at once that I didn't feel I, you know, I, I didn't, you know, you kind of process it in stages, I think maybe. Um, but I, I, I really feel like I've had, a, I mean, if anything, I had like, I kind of dropped off when I got to the Oregon project. Um, so I don't think it's like, oh, people like really think Eric's doping and Eric was doping with the Oregon project. But anytime you see like um, people saying that you're probably dirty, it, it does hurt you, but it doesn't really. I mean, it's one of those things you, you kind of get over. And it also it's like, I mean, it's in a way like, like well, if they think I'm that good that I couldn't do this without doping. But yeah, so when, it's only yeah. So when the training does like, not exactly translate to just like the performance that you wanted or you envisioned when you first got there, I guess you, I mean, you stayed there for, for a while and worked with Pete for, for a long time, I guess, what, what kept you sort of motivated to continue chasing those goals and, and stick with, with his training? Well, I had in 20, I had a good year in 2017 and, um, yeah. So it's like, I joined it. Yeah. My first year 2016 was, was very tough. And I think it was like the training was, I was just thrown in over my head and I, um, the Alberto's training was just didn't work for me. Um, but in 2017, like me and Pete, like had a great thing going and I believe, um, you know, I was just firing all cylinders and running really well. And, you know, it wasn't until, you know, I, you know, I, then I hit, you know, little bit of a uh, you know injury bump in, in in 2018 and things like that but i mean it's you know it's like your the coaching athlete relationship you know it's it's a relationship it's like a give and take up and down type of thing um and what i also really liked with pete is that um it was more like it was a collaboration in a lot of ways um he was it wasn't just like here's the way do it get on the line um or you're off the team. It was, um, if I like, if, if the workout made no sense to me at the time, like I would say, I would, you know, I would ask him about it and we would, you know, there, it, there was more of a bat, like it felt like a more of a, like a give and take. And I liked that. I wanted to have, um, I wanted to, to, um, be, you know, with a coach that was willing to listen to my input and things like that. So that's kind of, I, you know, and I, I stayed with Pete, you know, for that reason. And, you know, I have no really regrets about doing that. So when I was talking to Mac and, and Kyle uh, ahead of this podcast, you know, 
uh, obviously the side of you that is like the, that a lot of the running fans have seen, whether it is that podcast with Craig and, and you, and just some of the, you know, social media videos that you post, it's just like one humor, fantastic, but it's like the party side of it. Kyle said, it was like, it's sort of funny that the, that he has this reputation of being a really fun off season guy. And it's true. But most people don't realize how intense you were in training. So the question is, I guess, like, what did that, what was that like when you were all in and healthy? Like, how intense was that? Yeah, I definitely did. Um, I definitely was very intense in like a specific way with, um, with training. Like, I was having so much, like, I, it was intense and I was having fun with it being intense. Um, but like, I was very, um, intense with diet and, um, and things like that. But like, I think from the outside looking in, it's, it was really, um, really intense, but I think I, again, like I was having fun with it and I think that was shining through. So it's like, oh, wow. Like I think people were surprised when they would like see me have it like really letting loose at like after a race and then maybe like be being very the other way when it came to training that didn't quite make sense to them it made perfect sense to me um and i think and i also in my like as my career went on i stopped being like being so because you know it was either like i was it's, it just wasn't, it's not sustain. It's not sustainable to be that intent, you know, cause also then it would be like, I just be going absolutely crazy on my off seasons and I'd put on like, you know, like I actually, there was after the end, after indoor NCAAs 2015, I put on 15 pounds in like two day, three days. I mean, oh. it's all, and it was all just like, it was all just, you know, alcohol water weight bloat and, and crazy amounts of food but like i went i so i had raced and then i came back to oregon and coach you know <laughs> coach Powell was like oh my god he was just <laughs> like he's like eric you have to race the stanford 10k in like three weeks i'm like i got it i got it we'll get there oh i'm like i'm like i'll start shedding weight now don't worry about it <laughs> oh man uh all right so when we look back best race ever what do you think because you've got i mean that hot streak i mean you you talked about the ncaa titles when i look at 2016 17 you have that fifth half mile where you won in 349 to beat centro so when i guess like you've mentioned a couple times that you looked up to and then won the wanamaker mile it's when you look at the names on the trophy you stand out there a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, I do. I think it like there's, yeah, no big names on that list. Big names on the cup. It's I'm, that is, that was, that was a great race for me. Um, I mean, it's like, it's, it's tough for me. Cause it's like, I kind of put like a lot of those races just like all in one kind of category, just as like big, big moments for it. It's, and that's the beautiful thing about running. It was like, it's all perspective. Like, when I, when I won the New Hampshire state meet for cross country, like that was as big of a moment to me then as it, as you know, winning my first NCAA title was. So it's like, like looking back, probably the biggest, I love the winning that first 5k 
Um, winning that first NCAA double title indoors, the 5K um, in uh, Fayetteville, where, you know, the free Jenkins race was same track, you know, two, two years later um, or three, whatever it was. That was a big, that was an amazing feeling for me. But like, you know, the free jank, like that 3K, you know, was arguably just as, you know, that felt, I felt like I won that. I crossed the line feeling like I won that. Um, same, and, you know, same with Fifth Ave. Um, so they're kind of, they're kind of all tied for first for me. They, they all hold a special place in my heart. Used in 5K. Like, you know, it's, it's funny because like some of these big races for you are tied to like, you know, it's the race. And then immediately after that night, like there is a good after party. It's like, if we look at fifth Ave, we look at Milrose, we look at Houston 5k, Houston 5k in particular was a good time. <laughs> you, well, the, I think the funniest part about the Houston 5k was, I mean, it wasn't the after party. It was the day, like we, it was like the party the, the night before or two nights before, uh, you know, it's not how you'd write it up on the schedule, but, um, for some reason we were in here. I don't know what it was, why we were all decided to go out before like the biggest race of the, like, but it, I think it was cause it was Will Gohagan's birthday. Um, yeah. but yeah, no, the, the, well, also when you're in, when you're in Houston or when you're in Leuven, I mean, like, I mean, they're serving beer like water. So like my hands are tied. <laughs> we were just having too, we we're having too much fun. I mean, I think that I think two nights before the race, I had also like with I think I was with Kyle at a Domino's pizza, and I I must have taken down roughly three large pies, but like individual slices, like just like yeah, I'll take a couple more. And the, <laughs> I think and it was like just a fantastic night, and we all raced so well. Like two days later, it it worked out great. It worked out perfectly. Yeah, that thirteen oh seven. You know what? I I like it how poetic it is that that is will forever remain as your outdoor PR. I know, and that was one of those days where I mean, if I felt I could have run thirteen oh two that day, it was like I remember that like Andy's race directions where he's like, "It's gonna be fast. Um, go out." He's like, "Go out and be dead last for three k. It's you're still gonna get you're still gonna come through in probably like seven fifty seven fifty five. And I came through in like 756 as, and he's like, right after that, just start racing. And I was like, it's, it's, you know, every race after that, every five K after that, you're like, Oh, that's how I want. I'm like, it's, it's going to be that easy. And it never was that easy again. Um, but yeah, no, felt, felt amazing that day. And it was just, it, it was, it's also one of those things. It's so hard to get in, the perfect like you think that the perfect race is like in kind of a, a thing that's easily it's the right there you can set it up you see the guys in the list you see oh they're 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 super fast the pace is going to be honest like we're good there's so many things that kind of go into make it to having like a perfect storm of events and have that good race um and i i think uh, yeah i didn't like appreciate like how how good of a race it was yeah, that's a you know selfishly one of the best summers for me, and then like, it's it's just like that's a side track fans don't see. It would make for a great you know track junkie type of like reality TV show to just put cameras on a bunch of Americans out in Europe based for the summer. But uh, we have the memories, and we have a really cool photo where we're all just kind of wearing the same exact shirt, 
you know, I've always thought that, and, and I have to look at it now, but you know, in Back to the Future, when so, I guess like the, the 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 characters are like fading from the photos as time goes on, and I was wondering, I was like, oh man, like if we look at that photo, I think now that you're done, everyone in that photo might be retired now. You were maybe oh, the last one holding on. Son of a bitch. <laughs> that's oh man, that's that's good. That's good. Yeah, that was that was a uh, hilarious hilarious summer. Yeah. All right. So uh, as we kind of you know wrap up the last couple of years of your career a bunch of injuries kind of like spurred up the last you know the last couple of years for you i mean and then you were in this weird spot too where you're like bopping around between like the 5k 10k then last year and the year before i think like the 1500 so it's like you know the, there's injuries and then the intensity and in practice and you stressed how much fun you were having at, at any point did it stop being fun oh yeah no there is there's definitely long stretches of time where it's not fun um yeah i had uh in 2019 you know had gone through a, a, you know long stretches of injuries um and yeah that's that's never fun it's it's so it's especially when your job is running like being injured um is really tough and i, I also be, like i didn't do a good job i like looking back and it's even I knew it even then, but so many of like the like so many runners problems you just can't get out of your own way. Um, you know, I couldn't there are a lot of times when I just couldn't take a day off when I should have. You know, it's like, oh, you just don't don't run today. It's like it's that simple. And I'm like, I think I'd like to run. And maybe I'll even double. Uh so it's like they like it's like I it's uh yeah, it was there are definitely periods where it wasn't fun. Um, but, uh, yeah, I think, I think, um, and it's like a day-to-day -day level, I did a good job just kind of, um, enjoying the process for the most part, but, you know, like anything, you know, there's going to be times where, um, yeah, it, where it gets dark for a little bit, maybe. So at the end, when you were working with like Pete and, and then Andy for like, you, you based yourself in New Hampshire doing all, all of this solo. Uh, well, I was, well, by the, by the last couple of years, I was working with, with uh, Powell mm -hmm. and I wasn't, it, you know, so like, you know, we talked about like the, like you said, you mentioned the 15 and it was like, I kind of did the 15 because I couldn't really stay healthy enough to put in the proper 5k, 10k type of training. Um, it's like you needed, and especially like the U S is just getting, it's amazing to see getting better and better. And like, like the, what it takes to make a team for the 5k, like it, it takes being good enough to medal. It takes like, if you want to beat, I mean, name like the top five, they're all yeah. unbelievable. You like Clecker, like, Woody and, and like Grant, like good luck. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Clecker's not even going to probably like Clecker would have a tough time making the 5k team. <laughs> like, like, you know, like you got, uh, you know, Nur and for like Woody Kincaid and it's going to be like, it's, it's amazing. It's amazing where the, where America's at right now. And to get like, you need to be able to stack so much time and training and months of just consistency um, to be able to make the, you know, for example, like that Houston race, like that was the, the one of the, that was, the end of an un, of a just a nonstop healthy year of training and racing for me, um, and you need to be able to do that to be able to to compete at this level. And I wasn't 
able to stack up any sorts of any sort of time. Um, so I, and so I kind of tried to, you know, run the 15 and, you know, you can't do that either because of how good it, of everybody is now, but yeah, you know, that's, that's, that's kind of the way that the dice rolls. And, you know, I've always, you know, I kind of always struggled with injuries, you know, throughout, throughout my career. Um, but you know, it's, I'm, I'm feeling grateful that I was even able to make it this far at this point. Yeah. All right. So the beer mile guys have been pushing you to do a beer mile at some point. Is it still haven't done it? I honestly, no, I still haven't done it. Um, I would do, I would, well, here's the thing. I would do a beer, like I would do a beer mile. I don't think I could run. I mean, I certainly right now, like even the beer mile is too competitive. Here's the thing. <laughs> I'll love to drink four beers with you. I don't know if I, I'll, I don't know if I want to do the running in between. I'd love, I'm going to, I was talking about the beer mile guys and I'm, I'm, I'm definitely going to go out there um in at in in june i think july for like the world championships yeah yeah um i might still do one but just maybe not with the intensity of maybe like a Corey belmore type guy maybe i could try and sub six peak peak you when would have that time frame have been that like all right you would have been belmore level would there ever be i there's a video i think still on my phone of you uh you getting iced in in uh in Bruges and that thing went down in two like less than a second maybe yeah no uh, the <laughs> I can chug a beer the problem like I I think uh let's see what I mean probably when 2015 Eric could have probably smashed a beer mile just off arrogance and fit like like if you if you found me at Taylor's uh the the night after NCAA's in 2015, um, I would have probably done a beer mile. Probably, I think I could have run well. But I mean, for the, the, those guys are running. It's like a mi- unbelievable how fast they're running that beer mile. Like it's insane. Um, I've never like those. Also, I wouldn't have cared. And like after the second beer and after that 800, I'd be like, what the hell am I doing? Out here? <laughs> I'm like, I'm pretty drunk. I'm still got 800 to go and I'm hurting back. I, it's like, that's, uh, you know, I'll definitely do one for fun. And like, I think it'd be like really funny, good, good content. But uh, like, put like those, those guys are like training really hard, crushing it. It'd be tough. Yeah. Um. All right. So like before I've got my final questions for you, Uh. like, how close do you want to remain to the sport? Kyle and I have some ideas for you. I, I, I still, I would love to be close to the sport. I, I'm still a huge fan and, and keep up with it. Um, and it, it's, it's such a big part of my life. I, I, it's not like I just want to be gone from it. So yeah, I, I'm, I plan on being around in some way. All right. So I'll pitch it right here on the air. Uh, and, and we'll see yeah. if we get enough people to like respond and say we want it, but we came up with a concept. Aaron, Eric Jenkins radio would be the, with yes. the show voicemail line. It's already set up. People call in six, four, six, seven, eight, zero, nine, two, one, eight is the number. Leave a voicemail. And from there, uh, we'll start doing a show. I don't know. We'll figure it out. I already have my own. I already have my own phone number. <laughs> it, we'll, we'll see if it's monthly or something like that. And Eric will just answer your questions and it's what you can make it. 
you know, we did used to do the podcast running things considered where it was off the wall stuff. And I want that vibe as well. It could be ask, ask Eric for advice on your own running, ask him for throw out some weird hypotheticals, anything really, I guess you're an open book. You're ready to provide sage wisdom to, to, to people, no matter if they're a runner or not. Oh yeah. I look, I got some ideas going. We could take this. I could, I can really run with this. Um, but I get like, I gotta be able to go full bore with it. You know, it's like, yeah, we won't censor you. <laughs> okay. I'm like, look, you can't, I'm like, you gotta let me run free here. Yeah. Well, okay, I, cool. I, and I've, I've listened to and read enough, like over the last couple of days of just like the Pat McAfee show and how he's joining ESPN and how much he's worth and like just the empire he's built, you know, we'll get you started here. We'll start Eric Jenkins radio. And then from there, we'll let's see where start, it goes. Let's start this. Em- let's start the Eric Empire. Yeah. I like <laughs> yeah. All right. We're, we're, we'll, we'll get it going. All right. So final questions. And I feel like you'd have some funny answers for this. First one is uh, funniest drug testing story you've got. Oh, wow. Um, after. Oh, this was actually a bad one because it was like af- I was tested after the trials in when I came forth and you know it's so after these races when you it's like it'll take forever to pee because it's like you're you know it's you know how it's like after race like the last thing you need to do is pee and you know I'm just was in a porter potty like trying to uh with this guy you know literally over my like chin resting on my shoulder looking at my dick and I am like I can't I'm like, you know, I'm like about to shit my pants over here. And he was like, he was like, he was like, you know, maybe let's, let's take, let's take five, let's take 10 and uh, we'll try again. I was like, yeah, thanks. Thanks. But no, there's, so, there's a lot of, uh, they're all kind all a lot, a lot of awkward uh, drug testing stories like that. Wow. All right. I love it. Uh, next one. If you, if you could go on a run anywhere in the world with anyone from history, assuming they could hold a nice conversational pace with you, they don't have to be a runner. Best answers are not runners. Who would it be? And where would the run take place? Oh man. Best. Um, if I could run with one person in the world, who would yeah. it be? I don't have to be real. It could be an imaginary character from a movie or something. Um, all right, yeah, I'll run with the Incredible Hulk. <laughs> no, um, I don't know who I would run with. Um, I would have to choose um, some sort of great leader in history. You just, you, I mean, who else would I really want to run with? I guess where I'm going to run. Um, uh, let's see. I'll run in... Uh, We'll go, I'm trying to think of the night. I mean, St. Moritz, obviously you're going to have beautiful runs, um, beautiful runs in, uh, in Utah. And in, 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 I've done some beautiful runs in Park City. My favorite play, my favorite trails are in Flag. I love, like, I love the, the, the Flagstaff runs. Um, no, I would take them honestly on my, uh, I would take them on the Portsmouth High School cross country course, and I would whoever it is, whether it's Abe Lincoln or fucking who, who, you name it, I'm taking it on the PHS course, and I'm gonna I'm, I'll, I'll 
I'll force him to run it. And we'll, I'll tell, I'll, we'll talk about my course record days, like in, in, in the glory. Vandalized course or not? That was that look, it is the same course. Well, actually, no, they changed it recently. Um, but no, the course I vandalized, I did end up coming back a few years later and getting. Okay. <laughs> but yeah, unvandalized. All right. Well, I think th those are the types of questions that we'll have uh, people call in and drop on on Eric Jenkins radio. So uh, it can be any question, anything. Yeah. Hit them with the most any ridiculous thing. Six, four, six, seven, eight, zero, nine, two, one, eight. That's the voicemail line. Eric, we're not done here in terms of just like, you know, your voice on the Sidious Mag podcast airwaves. We're we're only getting started. Um so welcome aboard the pirate ship, I guess. Uh, this is your your, 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 your internship starts now. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm, thank you for having me. I'm excited. That does it for another episode of the City of Smack podcast. Thanks for listening and supporting. If you enjoyed this episode, share with a friend, leave a review and rating on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. If you want to contribute and support the show, you can also back us on Patreon by visiting patreon.com slash or send over any tip or one-time donation over to City of Smack on Venmo. You guys are all the best. Thanks for listening. Legs are feeling good. I'm Chris Chavez. See you next time.